You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So, again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think, uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Johnson-Alford, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Thank you, Ashley, for holding me down once again. You are one of our Queens of Intellect members for those Intellectual outcasts out there listening right there. Always try to keep a, one of our sharp queens on the show with us to make sure to keep us men in line. I got a special guest, uh, but I thank you for being back with me in your busy schedule, uh, being available for this interesting show. I'm gonna, I call this a case study, but if you will, queen, say hello to the intellectual outcasts out there listening and give them any part of your background that you would want to give in reference to today's show. Okay. Um, of course, thank you for having me, Montoya. My name is Ashley Johnson Alfred. Um, to be honest, I don't have background for today's show other than just being a black love affectionado. That's about it. So just well, happy to be here today and ready to discuss. No, that is good enough of a background. Uh, I love having these dialogues with you. Again, all our queens of intellect are extremely sharp, and so y'all put us to the test sometimes and I learn things from y'all as well. But without further ado, Got Vaughn, the love alchemist, returning to the show. Uh, he's kind of my go-to when it comes to these, as you say, love, uh, love, love shows or loves about shows about marriage, love, and dating, and all these type of things. This brother has spent years uh, not only in an amazing uh, marriage himself, but coaching others on, in a sense, how to follow suit or figure out their relationship. So, if you will, Vaughn, say hello to the truth seekers. Say hello to Ashley our special guest co-host, and introduce yourself to the intellectual outcasts out there listening as well. Peace, family. Thank you for having me on. Um, hey, Ashley, how you doing? Uh, thank you for reaching out, Montoya. Looking forward to the conversation, man. I mean, this is, as you said, this is this is what I enjoy. And um, hopefully, hopefully we can uh, I can add some value to the conversation. 
Nah, absolutely. Well, you can't, we can't call you the love alchemist and you not give us a little detail of how that name even came about, especially before we let the, the cat out the bag on this morning's discussion question. Give a little background. You know, I said you've been married for a long time. I need people to know I brought, I brought an expert on the show. Give them a little more background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I've been married for 33 years <clears throat> to my to my high school sweetheart. And um, she actually gave me the the name, the love alchemist, because of all the work that I had been doing and helping other couples, basically. Uh, so alchemy is the process of turning lead to gold. And, and that name came about because I've helped couples restore their relationship from what seemed like a valueless state into something much more valuable, like gold, uh, and something that they appreciate. So that's kind of how the name came about. My wife's a pretty smart girl, so she did that. Um, and that's it. Nah, I love it. Let's go ahead and introduce me to this morning's discussion question. If you're a first-time listener, we try to do our shows in the form of a question. Again, I go by AKA Black Socrates. We take the Socratic methods to whatever topic we're trying to explore and see if we can ask enough of the right questions to maybe give us some guidance. We also like to include the listeners out there. So this is a live show. We will go at the number for you to get in. But this morning's discussion question, a different world. Why did we want that Dwayne and Whitley love? A different world for those who remember that amazing sitcom at a six-season run, running right alongside the Cosby Show, if you will, for a number of years. Um, very influential on our culture, at least for uh, those of us who were, you know, young enough to have witnessed it and seen it. And so we're going to go back, and I'll call this a case study, at looking, re-looking at their relationship that I know personally I loved and thought it was amazing and was so glad that it ended up going the way that it did because, again, they gave us six seasons of not only watching them figure out um, if they were even going to be in a relationship, they were just friends, got into a relationship, broke it off, got back together, and eventually got married. And we saw even a period of time of them, in a sense, being married on the show as well. So we saw kind of the full gamut for their relationship from beginning um, to end. And so I thought it would be very interesting to tackle this topic today. And so um, – Ashley, I know you're familiar with a piece that I'm going to share um, in, you know, in reference to the show, but without even getting into the piece, I'm going to actually try to save it for later. So if you're out there listening, uh, you got to at least stay tuned to I read the piece that breaks down a new, another viewpoint for uh, the, the Dwayne and Whitley um, conversation. But I would like to start the way we always do, Ashley, which is when you heard the question worded the way it's worded today, a different world, why did we want that Dwayne and Whitley love? Uh, what popped in your head, if if you will? Why did we want that, Dwayne and Whitley Love? Um, I always loved the way that Different World kind of laid it out for us. We got to see the beginning of their friendship. We got to see their first interactions, and then we got to see what that turned into. So I think just watching that progression made it more relatable for everybody, made everybody want to have that. And I did become like, couple goals you know and I think I speak for myself of course but just watching that evolve watching that whole scene be set just made me feel like that that's a beautiful thing and that's something you want to strive towards but looking no, back what no please not finish no please finish no please finish no no, no just because I think that's the topic of today like looking back on it now I, mm-hmm. I think a little differently Oh, yeah, we're going to definitely get into that. Uh, Vaughn, again, I'll kind of pull you to task. You haven't heard. You again, we will share the piece a little later. Again, people, please stay tuned for that. But in just hearing the 
question worded that way. Um, you sounded pretty curious when I said, hey, man, you might be able to help me out on this show. Uh, what what was that curiosity, curiosity I think I heard when I asked you, when I said the title to you, A Different World, Why Did We Want That Dwayne and Whitney Love? Uh, tell me that initial curiosity I think I heard in your voice. I think because it had been so long since I watched it, and and I didn't remember, aside from the chemistry, I mean, they had great chemistry, especially at the beginning of their relationship. And so, of course, everybody wants that kind of thing. Um, but I didn't remember a whole lot about what went on in between their relationship because it had been so long. So I was I was curious for that reason, if nothing else. Nah, makes sense, makes sense. And I'm pretty sure, you know, again, we're talking about early 80s, six-year run, um, into, I think, 87 to 93 uh, when I looked up the information. So we're talking about a long, long time ago. But I agree, Ashley, it absolutely was relationship goals, particularly for our generation, uh, the hip-hop generation. We were coming of age during that time, so we absolutely uh, saw aspects of emulating in the in – the, um, the cool thing was, like I say, Different World explore, uh, you know, various characters throughout – you know, on the show, and which was the cool thing for us as black children, was seeing this, these different characters shown in a way that we actually could take in and enjoy. And so to your point, just being able to watch it from beginning to end, it definitely endeared us to it, even if there were some things maybe we, 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 we should have seen, but at that age, being the first time seeing a show like that on TV, I don't know if we could have seen it, if that makes sense. But we're going to go to a quick break and come back and get into some aspects of that relationship that I get. I think is a great case study, if, and I'll see if you agree with this when we come back from break, Ashley, for Our Times Now. Again, this old show, a, a little great relationship that most of us remember and were endeared to. I think it's very interesting to look at some of what they went through and how it applies today because I think a lot of it does. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good it should be illegal. But if you missed a live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. want your taxes done this tax season or do you prefer to have your taxes completed by a professional on top of current and constantly changing tax codes if so look no further than s kinds accounting and tax services where each year plenty of satisfied customers from around the country return for an efficient and professional tax experience for small businesses s kinds accounting and tax not only provides bookkeeping and accounting on a monthly quarterly and or yearly basis but s kinds accounting and tax goes above and beyond to provide yearly tax strategies to increase the bottom line profits while no one likes when uncle sam or the irs comes knocking know you're in good hands with s kinds accounting and tax call them today at 770-947-3667 again that's 770-947 3667 or email them at advice at the dot com. I didn't expect you this evening. 
I was passing by the gourmet parfait, and it made me think of. Green splotches on your face. Oh no, Miss oh. Perfect has on pimple cream. <laughs> and a Jerry Curl cap to boot. This is not a Jerry cap, it's a Polytechnic moisture control cap. A who? A who? A who? I suppose you think this is very funny, Dwayne. Mm -hmm. But I didn't come here for a laugh. Tonight I came here to get the record straight. Time to put the birdie in the oven. Yeah, that's something you're good at. Cooking? No, avoiding. Would you like something to drink? Pop or juice? Oh, Whitley, there you go. Okay, Dwayne. What am I avoiding? Why didn't you answer any of my letters this summer? This summer? Yes, the three months of the year when it's hot. <laughs> I wrote you five letters. I wrote you five long letters. I, I read them all, Dwayne, carefully and lovingly. So lovingly that you couldn't write me a two-line postcard back? You want to know the truth? Oh, yeah, the fresh approach, yeah. <laughs> I did write you back, but I didn't mail the letters because I wanted you to miss me more. You're sick. I was sick. And I was playing games. But all that's changed now. Not since I last checked. What are you talking about? I'm talking about kissing my best friend in my face. Oh, that. Yes, that. Playing me and Ron off each other, that's deep, Whitley. I, I thought I had to play games to get you, Dwayne. But I swore I would never play them once I had you. Oh, no, no, you don't have me yet. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Johnson Afford. Our special guest is Dwayne, um, I'm sorry, Bond, the love alchemist. This morning's discussion question, a different world. Why did we want that Dwayne and Whitley love? As I play a cut again from this amazing sitcom, and we know even the history of more people going to college because of a different world. So, again, a very influential on our culture and this relationship, as Ashley highlighted, became relationship goals for many of us, even with uh, Dwayne being, in a sense, the nerdy guy on the show and Whitley obviously being very uppity and over the top with it. And, and obviously we're hearing a cut at the point in which she admits I'm playing games in order to get you. So we're, you know, we're kind of in being introduced at that point, uh, but we know in the early on of that relationship, it was her not even giving him the time of the day because she thought he was corny, and, and, and we'll get more into that as well. But just in hearing that, I again think that this amazing show, going back and looking at it all these years later, it's a cool opportunity to peel back that actual, that actual relationship and see how it relates. And the first thing we hear in that conversation is the idea of playing games. Um, I, I wonder if that's still a big aspect of what we witness today out here in relationships and just kind of just starting in that space, Ashley, your thoughts about the idea of thinking, um, you, you know, in a sense need to play a game to get who you want. In this case is Whitney admitting that she was 
in a sense, playing a game. So just any thoughts that you that, that are triggered by that actual uh, cut, if you will, Ashley? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think if you watch the show and you have the backstory and the context of it, like they were both playing games. But at that age and at that time in a college setting, like who's not? Who's not playing games? Um, mm-hmm. The issue becomes when Dwayne is kind of like moving the ball, he keeps telling her, you know, we're going to be in a relationship. And I think even in that clip, he always says, like, you don't have me yet. So she has to continue to work and work and work towards, like, gaining his love, gaining access to him, which to me is just insane. But back then watching it, it's just like, you know, she loves him. She wants to be with him. She's going to continue to work to prove herself to him. But I can't imagine doing that level of proving nowadays, even before even being in a relationship with someone. Does that make sense? No, it makes a whole lot of sense. And what I love, and we'll jump it over to Vaughn, and what I love is when you just off top said they were both playing games, right? They were both playing games, but there's a dynamic throughout the development of that relationship where he seemingly keeps turning it back on her, right? Like where it gets, it gets turned into as if she's the only one playing games, if you will, and that's a common theme kind of throughout. Um, Vaughn, again, I know you're kind of getting reintroduced and being reminded of this, but as you, you know, hear these things again uh, with your background, this is easily kind of to pick up on. But if you will, just your thoughts in on that cut or anything that Ashley had to say, if you will, King. Yeah, you know, uh, to her point, they were playing games, but I think um, just from even the title, I mean, they were really from two different worlds. You know, she came from a world where uh, hypergamy was the thing. You know, she's looking for the the richest. Uh, and be- a richest man that she could find, you know, that offered her the best opportunity. And all she thought she had to bring to the table was her beauty, basically. And and, and social standing was, was, you know, the thing. And with where Dwayne was coming from, she's going to have to bring a little bit more than that to the table. So he kept pressing her. Just one aspect, pressing her to bring more to the table, you know, uh, that you, you got to do more than just show up and be pretty and offer me social status. And so there was an interesting dynamic as they, you know, blended those two worlds, if you will, uh, together. That makes sense. If you will, um, I'm, I'm actually going to have you call right back in. We've got like a, just a little um, static on the show, and it's just usually just a just a, a bad connection. So just if you will kind of call uh, back in, if you will, um, so we'll see if we can get that little t- that, um, static out of, out of your call. All right. Yep. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. So well, as I'm going back and looking at this thing, Ashley, it kind of flicks. It, it, I didn't realize, because, again, it's been a lot of years later, and, and we'll hear more of this in the clips, but I didn't realize how much he, in a sense, we watched the relationship be flipped on his head when you think of the idea of, a, in a sense, a man pursuing a woman, if you will, and, you know, to your point, all the work that she was, in a sense, being asked to put in. And then you hear Vaughn, you know, in a sense, put it in that perspective, saying, "Hey, she needs to show, you know, um, you know, more than just her beauty." But I will highlight, and maybe, and, you know, maybe as we go through more cuts, it'll become even more clear. But I will highlight, it was she was being asked to be asked a lot more than what she brought to the table because it, it almost flipped the relationship dynamic on his head for her to Vaughn's point to be the type of 
woman who comes from a world of hypergamy looking for a wealthy man. Again, that's going to come up as we go. But I would highlight that even with that dynamic, she literally was in a situation where it got flipped on its entire head as far as, in my opinion, who was pursuing who. It's not about the right or wrong of it, but it definitely got flipped in the head. So I would say she got off. She was being asked to do much more than what she brought to the table. Your perspective on that? I agree. Yes. Then we'll go back to Vaughn. Okay, yeah, I definitely agree. She was she wasn't asked just to bring more to the table. She was asked to do more. She was asked to pursue. She was and it goes back all the way to like the beginning of their relationship cuz I don't know if y'all remember like I'm I'm a different world fan fan. I watched it from day 1. I can do. So we even like have to go back to thinking about how he actually never even wanted Whitley. He wanted Denise but Denise didn't want him. I think at one point, Whitley had even loaned Dwayne money to take Denise on a date. And it wasn't until Denise had... Am I correct? Do I remember that? Yeah, yeah. I remember it now that you say that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't remember that. Yeah, but go ahead. Keep going, You know, it wasn't until Denise had left the campus to where now Dwayne is, like, shifting his, his eyes to Whitley. But even in doing that, even in now thinking like Whitley is a contender, she still has to do this, that, and the third to even get his attention, to even uh, qualify to get any access to him, whereas Denise literally did none of this. He didn't require any of this from Denise. And if you want to say they came from different worlds, like Denise was well off as well. Her father was a doctor. Her mother was a lawyer. You know, she she didn't have a need to have to do any of these things or bring anything extra to the table like we're saying Whitley had to because Whitley's family was well off. Like, it just it never made sense for me why he felt like Whitley had to prove up to him that she was enough to be with him. When honestly, he she was out of his league from the beginning. And 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 yeah, and that's just not. Yeah. No, nah, it's that trips me out. Um, I actually got uh, Madeline Odwini, um another the peaceful mama on the show. I'm gonna let, let her come on and hang out with us as well. Um, but but I'll give you a quick response before I introduce uh, Madeline, um in the show as well. Any quick response to just our kind of little pushback to what you again? I know you're not as familiar with the show and we're kind of bringing that memory back for you. Um, but I was still kind of yeah taken aback by just. He said, hey, you don't have me. That's definitely flipping the dynamic on. But, again, just a quick thought to that, and then we'll get Marilyn on the show with us as well. I'm glad that uh, that she's saying the different things that she's saying right now because I don't remember. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I told you, I, again, I don't so, so the context is definitely helping. And and to your point, yeah, she, he definitely flipped it, and she became, I guess, the pursuer. So uh, I, I'm learning as I'm going, and I can offer perspective as I get it. But, yeah. That's nah, absolutely. Now, nah, you're good, brother. Yeah, I, I just agree. wanted to hear what you thought about that. And here's the thing is, I could tell you as a young man, I did not remember he made her pursue. Like, I hear Ashley, who, again, loves this show, and from day one, as she just mentioned, right. um, I just remember him being the corny guy that I thought she didn't want. And even as a man, as a, well, yep. I I was a boy at that time, I was a boy. You know, a young man, if you want to call it that. But even in it, I still saw it from the male perspective, Ashley, just kind of throwing it out. Let me get Marilyn to jump in here, too, because I definitely want to hear your response to it. Like, I'm having to look back at it now, and it's clear to me that it was flipped on his head. But I, as a young boy, I don't think I never saw it that way because he was the nice guy that was always there for her once he, as you said, turned his eye to her. She didn't make it 
easy per se, but it definitely got flipped on his head, really, like you said, from day one. I missed that as a young man. I just want to throw that out to you. Let me get Marilyn on the show as well. Uh, hold on, let me make her live. Hey, Marilyn, thank you so long. Thank you so much, Queen, for being with us. Jumping here, I know you. I don't know how long you're going to be with us, but I want to get you for as long as possible. You clearly have some thoughts about what you've heard so far, so I'll go ahead and let you introduce yourself and and jump your three cents in this in this conversation this morning. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Marilyn, also known as the Peaceful Black Mama, um, and just from listening to that and from what recollection that I have from from the show, and just even that, that little clip right there. I always believe that Dwayne, um, he, he kind of wanted to humble Whitley a little bit because they were from, you know, two very different worlds. And, you know, if you remember early on, Whitley always was kind of, she was, she was very, um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Sedidian, you know, she was very maybe? posh, you know, and she kind of, she's very sedity and very kind of, you know, uh, she, she grew over the years, but in the beginning she kind of threw it around the fact that she was this very, um, you know, white, <laughs> white, polished individual and wealthy, and she kind of threw that, you know, around in everybody's mm-hmm. face. And I think once um, Dwayne's attention did turn to her, I think he still had a level to which he um, he wondered if she saw him as someone who either he felt like he didn't measure up to her or he saw her as someone who maybe um, questioned whether or not he measured up to her. And so in order for him to feel like, you know, they were on par in some way, he, I felt like he, he, he needed to humble her a little bit. Even some of the things that he, you know, it sounds like it was teasing, and I always say that I'm cautious about what people say when they are playing, you know, just kidding or teasing or whatever. And he said, Miss, um, oh, Miss Perfect is wearing this or whatever that. And so little terms like that is just, okay, why is he choosing those words to um, to address her? You know, and so um, I really think that was a, a big part of it for him. And he's, Dwayne, trying to get her to bring more to the table, as um, as the gentleman said, it seems to me more so one that he didn't see the value that she had just because they, you know, they were just such very different people. And all of that became very clear later in the show when she was about to get married (laughs) to the other guy because he clearly saw, you know, what she brought to the table just on, um, just on the strength of who she was, on the strength Mm -hmm. of that background, on the strength of her pedigree, you know. So there's many things that someone from Dwayne's world will not recognize that she brings to the table that someone from, Byron or Brian, whatever his name was in the world, who was able to see it right away, and he appreciated it. And that's when, you know, Dwayne tried to didn't want to lose her. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to definitely jump into that aspect. Mm-hmm. We're going to kind of just move through the relationship. We're, we're in the early on parts mm-hmm. now. Um, but I, I love how you're highlighting that concept of him wanting to humble her. If we, go, if we dig into that, I think that is a dynamic mm-hmm. that is often part of a relationship in which uh, – to, to to again to this case study, if you will, to this situation, that's not uncommon for some men to pursue maybe a, you know if we'll say uh, as as Ashley said, someone that's out of their league, or, you know, or whatever is actually kind of pointed out, and so it's not uncommon for you know men and women do it, if you will, but for men to pursue somebody out of their league, and in doing so, for that humbling to be a part of it, and sometimes that humbling is that male ego subconsciously saying, 
you know, you're not um, knowing, in a sense, feeling like as the man, they're not up to par, if you will. And so bringing her down to Mm -hmm. size helps them, in a sense, remain in the relationship. And, and again, Mm -hmm. looking at this years later, when a man's doing that, it's it's not Mm -hmm. simply just humbling, but the other part of it is you turn that part in, oh, you think you're too good for me? Like you turn that into mm-hmm. a chase for this woman who you see that you wouldn't think would date you based on your circumstances. And so throwing it mm-hmm. in her face that you think you're too good for me. And I'm not saying, I don't know if Dwayne ever said those words, but I'm just highlighting this is a psychological dynamic that can exist anytime there is this where a man feels like I'm kind of out of my league. You see that type of thing happening. Ashley, your thoughts? Oh, we got about a minute and a half before break, so I'll give you the thought before we go to break. Yeah, um, I absolutely love that Marilyn said that she he kind of wanted to humble Whitley because that's such a real thing. I don't ever feel like he actually was interested in her. It it just became more of like her being a challenge for him, you know. Mm-hmm. And once she became a challenge and it was something he wanted to conquer, that's where the games begin. Because the reality is like even though they were from two different worlds, whether we're going to realize it or not, Dwayne absolutely benefited from the same status that he was trying to, like, bump her down from. You know, he benefited mm-hmm. from that. Nobody took Dwayne seriously before he was with Whitley. He was a joke. But when mm-hmm. he when he got, when he became, like, the affection for her, or I guess the apple of her eye, he did get that respect. He did get that, you know, notoriety. He did. And I think that's what drove it. But I don't think that, like, he actually wanted her. She wanted him a lot more than he wanted her. And I think that's a real thing for, mm-hmm. like, black women in general. Uh, absolutely. And that's the dialogue. And that's what we're doing, you know, uh, and it's, as we say, a case study, Vern. We're just digging in to bring out the dynamics that apply to today and see if there's areas we can talk about or discuss. And I love what Ashley's talking about now. Let's go to break and we'll come back and get into that actual dynamic uh, that applies you know, to our current relationships. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. For the callers out there, if you want to get in, you will have to press one to get into the conversation. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Hey, are you a wine drinker? Uh, a little bit here and there, but but my wife definitely loves hers. Why you ask? Man, you got to try this vegan wine by Sip and Share Wine. I ran across them at this event in Atlanta, and now I keep me a few bottles at the house. What, what flavor you like? Um, I mean, I like some of good red or, or maybe a nice dipping gel or something. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Try the sweet red first. Hmm. That's, that's, that's nice and smooth right there. Yeah, that's kind of sweet like I like it. You know what I'm talking about? For sure. That's why I like that one as well. Hey, hey, now try this Conjure Dippendale. This one was featured in Forbes magazine as a top 10 drink for the summer. See what you think. Oh, okay. Now that's fire right there. Where can I get a bottle of that? Just go to SipAndShareWines.com. They'll ship it right to your door. They black on too. Oh, yeah? Okay, you say what? SipAndShareWines.com? Is that it? Yep. Bad. I can't believe we're actually sitting here together, friends. Neither can I. We've overcome so many obstacles, Dwayne. Mm-hmm. My silly reservations about you, your silly relationships with... 
silly reservations. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. No, I don't. Explain. The difference in our background. What, I'm from New York and you're from Virginia? It's when, when I met you, you were a geeky little lecherous freshman with no culture, no class, and no car. <laughs> and you were a snotty wannabe diva working on everybody's last nerves. But I got over that. I saw past that. <laughs> and that's for the journey to take. Ooh, honey, don't flatter yourself. Why, you just weren't my Prince Charming. Then what am I doing? I've lowered my standards. Wayne, oh. <laughs> you really have changed. Uh-uh, get out of here. I think the big change you saw in me was Keenan's dog. That is not true. Oh, then tell me what is true. I realized I didn't need a bushy prince. I, I, I need a man who wants me for me. Well, I'm not going to be that man if I can't count on you and trust you. Can? No, you can't just say it, but you have to mean it. I do mean it. You're always there for me, Dwayne. I want to be there for you. Just like the song says, gotta be there, baby. <laughs> the okay, okay, oh, oh, easy. <laughs> Guess I should just come out and say it. Say what? Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Justin Alfred. This morning's discussion question, a different world. Why do we want that? Dwayne and Whitney Love, fortunate enough to have on Vaughn the Love Alchemist, as well as Marilyn O'Dwitty, um, holding us down for I don't know how long, but I'm glad to have her on as well as we hear more of that relationship dynamic and everything that we're talking about absolutely is coming to pass and I would like to highlight what Ashley mentioned in the sense that he benefited from that relationship and you're absolutely right Ashley he was seen as just a corny dude and as that relationship developed here we're hearing her say hey I love you and it's and and now we again putting it on his head even in that listening to that back and forth the dynamic is still ultimately being flipped to where She's saying it because, you know, we're used to being as men, the pursuers, in a sense, if you will, uh, going after the woman, if you will. But in that situation, even when they're talking about the difference in their background, Dwayne goes, hey, wait, wait a minute. And then it gets turned back on her. And it's almost like she's still, in a sense, having to prove herself to him. But as you said, that relationship was more of a benefit to him. But I'm going to start with you. Because, again, something, again, bringing it to today's context, I think to a degree that's something that that's missing in today's, relation, today's dynamic of relationships, understanding, uh, in a sense, how you're seen to others when you date. Like, it's, 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 it's um, naturally understood to an extent, but not to the extent, in my opinion, that it needs to be when that was very much part of a relationship dynamic of who you would quote unquote end up with. I think some of that's lost on today's society. Any thoughts on, on, on that, um, that, that idea of not understanding, Hey, who I'm with matters 
and that's exactly why Dwayne ended up benefiting. Your thoughts on that, King? Yeah, I um, I still don't remember, other than what you guys are saying, how he benefited, I guess, um, being with her. I guess you're saying that by being with her, that elevated his status, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did. Um, yeah, that's just simple as that. Yeah, so it ain't even about him as much, but just that dynamic in relationships today. Like, like I think some of that's missing in today's dynamics for a lot of people just dating for all the all of this time, not understanding how that plays a, a major role in how you're seen in society. Again, just a, a whole different thought, not specifically about them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's amazing, too, that we don't understand sometimes what the motivators are. And, and so for her to say, I had to lower my standards to be with you, no man wants to hear that. You know, for, I don't think anybody wants to hear, hear, hear that. But um, that was also an interesting dynamic, too, that – um, she didn't necessarily just feel like she was finding harmony with this guy, but that she was giving up some things, sacrificing some things, and, and even lowering what she thought she actually deserved and settling, in a sense, for him. And I think a lot of people now are, are in that space where um, they, they feel like they have to settle rather than some a, a healthier, maybe, maybe a healthier acknowledgement that this is just a more harmonious place for me. And maybe I didn't quite deserve what I thought I deserved. If, if deserving now, is such a no, it makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Ashley, let me jump to you real quick with that thought of of clearly in the, on the show she was saying that a little bit in jest, right? But I'm again watching this years later, realizing wow, they're pretty much putting it in our face that that's the dynamic that's happening. But because we, at the time, a lot of us were endeared to the show, we took it as the joke that she meant it as when they literally was clearly saying, ultimately, this is the, the dynamic that we've created. And they literally put it in our face, if I'm making sense with that. Your thoughts on that, Queen? Yes, I agree. I mean, but that was that was Whitley's whole persona, her whole character. Like, she was always brutally honest, mm-hmm. which is really... I'm, I think it's a big portion of their relationship because that's something that Dwayne always tried to like dwindle down about her, but that's what we loved about her. She was always honest. So yeah, even in that moment, I think she was a hundred percent honest and she knew she was settling for him and she gave him the reasons why he was a nobody. Dwayne didn't even have a car at that time. So it was, you know, she knew those things, but the craziest part is why she continued to pursue him knowing that she was settling for him which is something that's not uncommon for black women even now. Marilyn, you're that, you know, oh, sorry. oh, go ahead. No, 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 no I want you to finish. I just thought, I thought you were finished. I was, please finish your thought. I just, no, no, I, you're I, good. I just jumped in on the pause. I definitely want to hear some Marilyn on it. No, absolutely. I want to jump Marilyn in on this because that is a common dynamic. Again, almost moving off the Dwayne Whitley thing, that aspect of, as Ashley's saying, She's saying it from a brutally honest place that she was settling, and that is a, a, a dynamic that a lot of people go through. And I'm, I don't know if they're always in the best place of even thinking it or believing it, because I like how Vaughn said sometimes it's what we think we deserve, or some people realize, hey, this is actually better for me and what I thought I deserved. Maybe I'm not up to par. So there's, there's two sides to it, but I definitely want to hear your thoughts of that part of it, that, that dynamic in relationships specifically today. Marilyn. Yeah. No, um, 
I definitely agree with I have my father is following me around the house yelling now. <laughs> so um I definitely agree with the um idea that that's a dynamic that a lot of us are stuck in because once you kind of okay, it seems like a lot of times once you kind of have made up your mind, especially for somebody like Whitney who, you know, had these high standards and once you kind of put Dwayne forward as this is the person that's chosen and she made this, you know, probably went a lot of against a lot of the wishes of, you know, her family and the standards of her family and friends and her um, social circle, it's almost like she has to kind of prove or, or feel like she has to make it work. She has to figure out a move to make this be the thing and be right about the situation. So she, yeah, um, and with your what tends to happen in general, not just in, in Whitley's situation, but I think, you know, um, in more relationships than, you know, we even – no, because a lot of times once we've made the decision, especially when it comes to women, we kind of want it to work. That's why you don't see women, you see women going through, you know, bad relationships, toxic relationships and marriages and things like that, and they just want to make it work. They want this to be the right, you know, and, and contrary to popular belief, women don't like just hopping out of relationships and leaving marriages, you know, all women with willy-nilly just for the fun of it. They really do like to try and stick it through and see if they can make something work. So I think on that note, she um, just kind of was, had limited herself to being with Dwayne, even though she kind of knew that she was settling. She, you know, was kind of trying to push that. Um, no, it makes sense. She was trying to, absolutely. No, it makes sense. Uh, Vaughn, I definitely want to jump you in on that thought. So, you know, again, you've helped a lot of people in their relationships. I'm pretty sure this is a dynamic that you've seen. So let's, let's, let's just put it in this context. There are times where people actually do settle. So let's kind of just stick in that dynamic. And I do agree with in just in hearing these ladies that um, even in the dating, dating situations of today where we have boyfriend and girlfriend, again, kind of a, uh, a, a newer term for humans. Like most people don't realize dating is a new concept for, for these times, but even specifically in dating, I definitely have seen that dynamic where it's almost like, like they said, Whitley's trying to prove that Dwayne's worthy of her to even her social circle and and whatever. But like Marilyn said, in not wanting to get out is quite often why someone will settle and stick to a situation that they should not be in, even if it's just a boyfriend, girlfriend situation. How much are you seeing that? And what, what is it, How does that dynamic look from what you've seen out there? Um, Vaughn? A lot of people remain in relationships that they, that they shouldn't be in. And, and sometimes it's, it's clear that uh, one person or the other could have done or should have done much better than what they're doing. So it's a, like you said, it's a very common thing. Uh, But also I I think sometimes the, they say thought precedes action, right? And so if you approach, when you approach a relationship thinking that you deserve better than what you have, sometimes you can actually have somebody that's really good for you, but because you think you deserve better, you don't regard them with as much or with as accurate of of evaluation as you probably should be placing on that relationship. So sometimes the thinking alone, uh, the thinking of itself is the problem. Does that make sense? It makes a whole lot of sense. It's a big part of dynamic. I, I've always said, and I think I've definitely, I feel like I've been guilty of what you're talking about, that 
a lot of times, just even in the dating dynamics, one of the biggest misses, in my opinion, this I'm just showing you how much I think it makes sense. One of the biggest misses is how often um, people miss each other because you want what you, in a sense, quote unquote, can't have, but don't want what you can have. That's a dynamic that seems to exist in the dating dynamic, and a big part of it is. Sometimes your own misevaluation of yourself. So yeah, I think it happens um, quite often. I want to hear y'all thoughts to that. We all get a break for the callers out there. If you want to get in, you do have to press one to get in with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard the adage that a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, meet Livy Blue Photography, a premier company specializing in capturing your family portraits and turning them into wall art that stands the test of time. One visit to their website, LivyBlue.com, and you will immediately be blown away by the experience as you peruse their gallery. The lead photographer, Olivia Northern, is a published photographer with over 10 years of experience in capturing families, weddings, and school senior portraits. If you want a breathtaking photography experience, contact Livy Blue Photography at LivyBlue.com. That's L-I-V-I-B-L-U-E.com. Now, what is it you exactly want in a woman? Well, I guess I want someone who's attractive, intelligent, church-going, looking. <laughs> someone who won't play hacky sack with my heart. I mentioned little kinky, got to be kinky. <laughs> What kind of husband do you want with him? What do you think? Rich? I thought you knew me better than that. I would like a man who is educated, mm-hmm. um, enterprising, mm-hmm. and ambitious. So you wouldn't mind if he was poor? That kind of man is never poor. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host. Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Johnson Alfred. This morning's discussion question, a different world. Why do we want that Dwayne and Whitley love as we hear uh, interaction between them once again? But I wanted to get y'all thoughts. I'm getting a cut seemed to line up. But with the idea of wanting what we can't have, and, and I'll go real deep with this, and um, Vaughn, I'll start with you. Deep from the standpoint of the psychology of quite often we are aware in a sense quite often when we're shooting out of our league. I think people are definitely aware of it. And quite often during the dating interactions, you may even have opportunities to quote unquote date and have a relationship quote unquote out of your league. And so at that point it becomes a subconscious, the dynamics that we've been talking about of proving yourself or even in that last cut where he goes, uh, when she goes, you know, what do you want? He starts out with, you want rich or whatever because of how he sees her or whatever. And he's like, is it okay? And she was like, the type of man I want, he, you know, he's never poor. And, and in that moment, it's still that dynamic of him, how he sees that he's not these things. And he has an opportunity where typically he can't have. That is a huge 
dynamic in today's relationship. So I absolutely understand what you were saying, Vaughn. If you could just kind of break that down, how often do you see that? And again, I think you've already pointed out how it can be difficult to navigate. Your thoughts, King? Yeah, most of the people that I see aren't in quite that drastic of a, a difference. Okay. Um, even though it is common. But um, I, I love the point that she made about how that type of man is never poor. And I think sometimes, just to that point, the sta- sometimes the standards uh, are, are such an issue, um, whether sometimes the standards are too low or even sometimes too high, um, if that's even possible. Uh, again, that, that tends to be as much a problem as anything. And so uh, the, the type of regard that we, that we approach each other with um, tends to dictate or at least help determine how we, how we uh, interact with each other. So, uh, yeah, I think, I don't know, I think that's about all I have on that one. I, I think. Um, no, it makes sense. Again, makes sense. I wanna, no, it makes sense. I want to throw it over to Ashley because um, she bitches this on the show, you know, earlier when we were just talking about the idea of black women specifically in this dynamic of feeling like, in a sense, they have, have to settle. And so I would offer that currently in the dating market, there's this aspect of a lot of, I would say, men almost feeling like they need to knock the black woman down. I'm talking about just in general, not all men, of course. I'm not saying that. But there is a sentiment of, in a sense, needing to knock her, quote-unquote, off her pedestal, which I think is a, a dynamic we're listening to as we play these cuts. But I think it applies throughout the culture. And, again, I didn't realize that as I go back and watch this show that the whole dynamic was actually flipped. Because I remember I mentioned Ashley as a young boy. I never even saw it that way because, to me, he was just the nice guy getting an opportunity because that's a dynamic of relationships, the nice guys feeling like they're finishing last and they never have this opportunity. Well, I think that dynamic is in, in the social media age is alive and well and, and in a sense trying to, in a sense, knock the black woman down. I'm pretty sure you understand what I'm talking about, but I would just love you to hear you speak to that because I think that's a part of relationships today, and it actually keeps people from actually getting together long-term, in my opinion. Your thoughts, Queen? Um, yeah, I I definitely agree in I think I saw it the same way that you did at one point where he was getting this opportunity to be with Whitley. To me, it was an opportunity. It was something like wouldn't have happened to him otherwise. But then even just listening to the cuts now and just hearing every time that she professes her love for him, he counters her with with something else that he's requiring from her. Yeah, but you got to do this, but you got to be loyal, but I got to be able to trust you. And it's just literally like consistently soliciting like, emotional labor from her where you don't really hear much of what he's doing she's not requiring much from him simply asking her like you need to bring this to the table you need to do more of this and and it's just it's crazy to hear now because I I do feel like that's still an element of dating and relationships here today um, especially for women and I love that you played this clip because it's one of my favorite lines um ever is when she says, you know, that's that type of man will never be poor. But now thinking about it, it's also like she, what did she say? She wanted him to be educated, enterprising, mm-hmm. and ambitious. Mm-hmm. And at that time, he wasn't. 
So it just goes to show that, like, we, we as women are always willing to take on a project. Because even though she said that's the kind of husband she wanted, what she was really saying was she wanted to make Dwayne into that kind of man, knowing, fully knowing that he was not that kind of man at that moment. And it was almost like her committing herself to changing this person, to to helping him get there, to progressing him, which is a lot of emotional labor to do for a whole other individual who might not be reciprocating that because we don't see him do much reciprocation on this show. And that I think is an issue that we can take into today. Like where's the reciprocation? We're willing to do the work to progress you as a partner, but it has to be reciprocated. I think it's very fair. No, I think it's very fair. And and here's the dynamic. Like I said, going back and looking at it, I'm sitting here witnessing today's dynamic in so many ways from the aspect of, the things that he was concerned about, because I like how you said she she required this emotional labor, if you will. Like, again, just listening to it now, we can hear all these dynamics. And not, it wasn't going the other way, as to your point. But what I am hearing is him being super concerned with protecting his heart. I, I remember those dynamics, even when I was young, being oversensitive about being hurt. Because I, I've always said, and I would love to hear what Vaughn thinks about this, um, I've always said that as tough as men attempt to be, we're actually more sensitive because sisters can survive a heartbreak and come out of it and try it all over again. I, I think men have about two major heartbreaks at most, most only one, but two at the most, and, and they will never completely love again because we're so sensitive about the protection of our heart. And in, the, and in this particular dynamic between Dwayne and Whitley, that what we've been talking about the entire show, kind of knocking her down, is she willing to settle for me? And because he really probably saw her as uh, out of his league, he only concerned himself with, will you leave me? Will you protect me? Because his his only duty was just being there. And that is definitely a nice guy's dynamic. I'm there for you. Like that's the work, like that, and and I'm watching this show now, going, damn, that's literally what was. That's that not was. enough, right? But I'm just saying, I didn't know that at the time, right? I'm just saying, no, that's right? not enough. Not enough. Keep and then this is the same. This is the same individual who, and just hearing it back makes me laugh. I think he literally said he just doesn't want her to play hacky sack with his heart. Yes, he does. I don't know if y'all recall, you know, throughout the relationship, Dwayne goes back and forth on whether or not he even wants to be with Whitley, on top of the fact that he never even wanted to be with her to begin with. But there's even a point in the where where he is engaged to her, or he proposes to her, and he breaks off the engagement like hours before their engagement party because he wants to be with somebody else. Like, we, we have to look at it like now, like place it in today's age of like, mm-hmm. those are the games we're talking about. Because, yes, you can be sensitive. You can be upfront with, hey, I'm, I'm nervous about getting my heart broken. I'm, I'm scared to take this risk in this relationship. But you can't do all of that and still be playing games in the background but still want so much emotional labor from a person to make sure you don't get your heart broke while potentially breaking theirs. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm going to tell you how much I see what you said, Ashley. I don't know if you know, I've done this show, how I, I've done a show some years ago called how I lost 10 years to love. Uh, I think I call it love and hip hop, how I lost 10 years to love. And on that show, I admitted being so concerned with 
can I trust someone into the protection of my heart? That's absolutely what I was doing as a young man at Dwayne's age, not even realizing I was only concerned <laughs> with the protection of my heart. And I would put sisters through that same dynamic. And now that I'm older, I see completely how unfair it was. For me, it was more of the trusting. And um, and I would always be upfront and honest and very trustworthy because I wanted that dynamic back. But like I said on that show, the biggest issue but I was doing the very thing, thing that you're talking about. So that's how much I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And the biggest issue in protecting my heart was that how was this, how, how, why, I said on that show, why would I ever think a relationship would work if I was going to try to remain distrustful all the way up until this person proved themselves, if, if, if that even makes sense. But I'm going to shoot it back over to you and I'm going to get Marilyn's thoughts as well. Yeah, I think um, just his constant demands on her that she do more and show more, um, it really speaks to his emotionally fragile state. And you have some people um, who are just more emotionally fragile than others, and because of that, they're much slower to make themselves vulnerable because you know how it is. I mean, nobody wants to be hurt. Nobody wants to be made a fool of. And and when you get these scenarios where – some, even in my own marriage, man, I, my wife was really too good to be true. You know, in my mind, I'm like, nah, mm-hmm. nobody thinks like that. Nobody, nobody's that open and vulnerable and that honest. And, and I wasn't ready for that kind of thing. And it took me a while to catch up to where she was because, again, you know, we're, we don't want to be – I think to your point, Montoya, men are generally slower to make ourselves vulnerable because uh, I don't want to say that it hurts us more – emotionally than it hurts women necessarily but I, I think society socially it makes us look like a bigger fool when we get broken when we get our hearts broken than women it's almost it's almost accepted or, or even welcome or maybe even expected that a woman will go through that but men there's a there's a different kind of stigma attached to it when we when we lose in love we we look like suckers and and so i think um, part of that plays into how slow we are to make ourselves vulnerable to women. No, absolutely. And let me even give clarity on the more sensitive, because like, at the end of the day, hurt, especially a love hurt, ain't nothing like it for man and woman. That part is all equal. If you've been really hurt, it's the doldrums it no matter what. It literally changes the shape of your heart. Did you know that? No, I didn't know they that. They call it a they call it heartbreak for a reason. It literally changes oh, the shape wow. of your heart. Yeah. Oh wow! No, I did not know that. I did not know that. But there's nothing like it. I've been through. I've been through it. And so I do want to clarify when I say more so for men, it's not that y'all are hurt any less. It's y'all are strong enough to do it a few more times, and men ain't gonna keep trekking through doing it over and over. There are men who will. End up in a relationship, but never fully give their heart again if they've been through uh, a, a, a couple of heartbreaks. So again, I just say more sensitive, but not that we hurt more. I definitely don't want to put that out there. Uh, actually, um, Marilyn, before I get to you, I got a couple of callers. Let me jump to these callers real quick. Um, actually, we're at the top of the hour, so let me play the top of the hour break, and I'm gonna get to you eight nine one last three and nine six two last three. So I'm gonna get to the two callers coming out of the top of the hour break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Where all I ask is that you think. I don't like money, real like money. Talk 
Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. She's really leaving, huh? She has to, Ron. It doesn't make it any easier. You know, I never imagined myself being with someone like Whitley. And now I can't imagine being without her. Do you want to hug me? That's not going to get it, Ron. Well, between you, Marvel, and Greyhound, y'all going to be hanging tight. I don't know, man. Anything can happen when two people are really far apart. But you two have something special. Realistically, Ron, what kind of life is a weekend relationship? I mean, even if I can get there on weekends, I'll be carrying a full course load teaching classes all week probably just drift apart, you know? It might be better if I break it off now before either of us gets too hurt. Seems like a no-win situation. No-win situation? Well, then why don't we just go call the honeys? I don't want honeys, man. I want Whitley. No, you don't. Not if you want to give up on her so easily. No, I don't want to give up on her. Who said I was giving up? Did you hear me say I was giving up on her? Well, then be quiet, then. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be. This is the final morning call, flight 732 from New York. Hey, baby, listen. Next Friday after my last class, I'll jump on a bus. I'll be in your arms by midnight. Okay? I have a seminar next weekend. Oh. Well, in the weekend after that, I'll come. Okay. You okay? been thinking about us, Dwayne, and I wish to just make this goodbye. Goodbye? It's easier that way. Baby, I thought we were going to work this out. Bye, Dwayne. Whit- Whitley! Whitley! Whit- Whitley! I'm sorry, passengers only. Whitley! Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Johnson Alfred. This morning's discussion question, a different world. Why do we want that? Dwayne and Whitley Love, special guest Bond the Love Alchemist also have Marilyn Odwinia on the line as well. That was a great moment as a young man loving the show. And he finally says, 
will you marry me? And then you heard the crowd go, the audience go crazy. We were all going crazy at home. Let me put what you just heard in a little context. And again, it lines up to everything we've been talking about the first hour, looking at this relationship so many years later from a new lens. And so what you couldn't hear in the cut was the conversation between him and his best friend, Ron, was on out on the balcony or whatever, and they were outside the house, and Whitley was inside. She actually got, um, just happened to go by the window and heard him questioning whether he was going to keep the relationship going or not. So that first part you heard, she happened to hear over here. So it, then you hear the cut where she's clearly, you can hear kind of near a train. She was about to leave and go off to this job that was obviously some distance away, and he says to her, oh, you're, you're, you're quiet. Why have you been so quiet? And so you hear the dynamic of her saying, maybe we should just go our separate ways. So to put what you just heard in context, it wasn't simply her deciding to, well, since we're going away, I want to be apart. It was overhearing him su- suggesting that he was afraid of that first. And the dynamic that we've continued to talk about on this show, he's turning it around on her. Why are you quiet? Because he didn't know she had heard. She's quiet because she knows he's contemplating letting her go. So she kind of beats him to it. And that dynamic, when it got flipped on his head, turned into him finally saying something we had been waiting for, for how to forget what season this was. And he kind of says, oh, shit, I'm about to lose her. Oh, I'll, I'll marry me in, in desperation. So as, much, as beautiful as it was back then, today's context, it ain't quite that beautiful right now. Ashley, your thoughts before I go to the caller. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> hey, it's a tricky man. Hey, Ashley don't, don't, don't like Dwayne. <laughs> hey, you know what? Well, and yeah. I love Dwayne. I love <laughs> Dwayne as a like. But now I hate it. It was such a last ditch effort, and then it just goes against everything that you know her family would have wanted. She would have wanted if Dwayne knew Whitley like he he should have known her. He knows good and well she don't want a last minute proposal at a train station he didn't have a ring and if y'all know he didn't have a ring for months and she asked him so many times about a ring that he just didn't have he was not prepared to marry this woman he just wanted to keep her and that is so toxic and that is just so crazy to even think about nowadays because he he wasn't prepared to do what he was supposed to do as a man in that moment but it was something to save her from leaving him Protecting his when, own in essence, he was trying to leave her to begin with. It's yeah, crazy. Was, yeah, protecting his own selfish heart. Let me get to these callers, and then I'll definitely uh, – I got to share the piece that I had for – I told everybody we would share in the first um, – second hour. All right, let's go with um, 609, last three, 891. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Good morning, Montel, Montoya. This is Marilyn. Um, hey, how you doing, Queen? Yeah, that 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 relationship between Whitney and Dwayne, they were from two different worlds. They were opposite poles, first of all. She was privileged. He was not. He was more concerned about culture and and making improvements in people, and Whitney was interested in Whitley. That, that was it. They were just not really even compatible, and that last-ditch effort, to see her go off, it was like, you know, marry me as a last-ditch effort 
So she wouldn't leave. So now he's compromising the plans that she's made to go away. That's complicating her life. That's a, a, a what do you call it? Um, I can't think of the word everybody's throwing around where everything is always about me. And that was what that was about, you know, just so I don't lose her. But right now, this isn't what I need in my life. I'm not ready for it. This isn't what I want in my life. They just were not compatible. And you said something that was pretty profound a few moments ago about a breakup and a heartbreak. And I did not know the physiology of a heartbreak either. That was interesting to me. But um, it's like mourning. I went through that a few years ago just when I was getting a divorce, and it occurred to me what I was feeling was such a loss. It was like mourning this person because it was a sudden break. I was never going to see this person again. It was like it was like a death. And you say that women get over it faster. No, we don't get over it faster. We just handle our stuff better because we are meant to nurture. We are help me so we are we have something equipped in us where it doesn't really show what we go through but we go through what we go through i didn't say like men do. i said i really saying y'all are tougher is what i'm really saying i definitely didn't say fast but you know what we're not tougher tough. and everybody puts that tougher on the black woman and we they just want to dump everything on us the whole planet and, and it's not black women are probably the most delicate women on the planet, the most sensitive yes, right. on the planet. Thank you. Thank now, you. Yeah, hey, here's You're here. welcome, sis. Let me throw this out. Let me Let's throw this out. It I'm only speaking in matters of the heart. Women and This ain't even a black and white thing right here. I'm just talking about matters of the heart. I definitely am not putting strong tough on a black woman. That's the last thing I would ever, last trope I would want to add to it. And I definitely understand how what I said could be taken that way. So I don't fault you for because I did just say tougher. So I definitely put it out there like that. But it just a matter of the heart. Women will pick up the pieces and try love again. That's just a woman thing, not a black woman thing. Um, but again, I'm not saying I'm absolutely right, but I do want to clarify what I meant by tougher. Just in that context, women will try Again, you know, some not all women, but in general, in general, women will pick up the pieces and try again. Narcissist. I'm sorry, said again. That's quick. the word I was trying to think of. He was a narcissist. It was narcissist. all about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, narcissist. That's what he was. You know, that's like a relationship I was in. He was married for four years. When I found out, it was like I asked you three times, "Were you married?" I told you I could show you my divorce decree. Where was yours? He swore he was he was he was divorced. Oh, so wow. when I asked him about it, he said because I loved you and and I didn't want to lose you. I said, oh, so it was all about you, because if you loved me, you would have told me the truth and let me make my own decision whether or not I wanted to be with you. That's a big thing. That's a major so me, thing. That's not a decision he should have made. You know. So let me. So let this me thing about. Go ahead. Let me let me throw this out to you about what you just said. So and let me see if Vaughn agrees with this. I'm not big in, in, into the latest words, but I do know that selfishly, when it comes to being overprotective of our heart, what we, the dynamic we watched Dwayne actually do. Again, now we're looking at it all these years later, and as Ashley said, it was an improper ask because, one, as she said, he wasn't prepared to marry her at the time, and he only did it when it, the moment got flipped on him, we hurt. And so I'm highlighting that I think this is a reality, and I want to hear Vaughn's thoughts on this, that there is an aspect of when it comes to 
this concept of protecting our heart as men, we can be super selfish in that same manner that we witness um, Dwayne do. I, I don't think that it's an uncommon thing. I'm not trying to blanket statement and make men terrible or anything like that, Bron, but I do know that what Marilyn just said when she goes, well, yeah, if you love me, then you would let me make that decision or whatever. I think women are better at doing that. And I don't necessarily think a man is a narcissist for do, for, for, for saying, well, I'm selfishly trying to hang on to you as well, which is what Marilyn just brought to the table. I'm not agreeing with that, man. I'm just not calling it the latest terms. I just think men, sometimes we can be selfish in the protection of our heart that and put some put somebody through what Marilyn just talked about. He hid it from her. He wanted her. Now I'm not saying in a favorable way, but in this selfish way, he he tried to keep you know Marilyn uh, as a part of his situation, even though secretly he was married. It's not the first time I've heard that. I so think what are that's your a cop out. I'm not, I'm not even calling it a cop out. I'm just saying that I'm just highlighting to say to Marilyn that. I think men will do it. I want to see if Vaughn agrees with that. So I'm not making a cop out. I'm pointing out that I think this happens I, too much. But I, I just want to point out okay. the fact that any time okay. that y'all say, I think that men, I think that women are better at this, or I think that women, that, that men are just not as skilled, okay. that places that responsibility on a woman versus okay. y'all just learning how to do it. Just learn how to do it because we <laughs> have to learn how to do it. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I, don't dis- I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that, but I don't disagree with that. But do you understand? I'm not necessarily offering it as a cop out. It's just emotionally, no. y'all seem to do it a it's little better. Is all I'm saying. It's just it might yeah, just be a reality. Yeah, it's in the learned skill. Y'all it, have you to know learn. That's fine. Learn That's fine. But I'm just highlighting skill. that. I'm just highlighting. Listen, it, it's more nuanced than that, right? Because I, I, the social, our social network lends to women being able to rebound faster. Biologically speaking, we're no less men are no less capable of rebounding than women. That's biology. But socially, because of our conditioning and because of what, you know, the, the incorrect ideas that it takes um, or, or that we're inundated with when it comes to what it takes to be a man, right? Like men are supposed to be strong. We can't show weakness. We can't show vulnerability. Like these are things that we're programmed with. And because of these different programs where women are programmed to um to handle to approach relationships a little differently. So you you guys aren't you guys don't have the social stigma um when it comes to being broken hearted that we do. It doesn't mean it's not good or bad or right or wrong. It just is what it is. And so because of your social networks, because you're able to go to your sisters and and be vulnerable and tell her how you feel and you can cry in each other's laps and all of that stuff and comfort each other. We don't have that. And so our social network doesn't uh, – it makes us walk with our chest out and our head up even though inside we're feeling crushed because we don't have anybody to cry to. Again, not right or wrong, good or bad. It just is what it is. So I think that more than anything is why, you know, men tend to be slower when it comes to making that leap of faith like that led Dwayne to say, marry me. He was – in that conversation with Ron, he was so unsure because of the the potential for heartbreak if things didn't go go right. Whereas, you know, Whitney's afraid too, right? She's not the most sure in the world either. But, again, she has a social network to fall back on, whereas if things go wrong with Dwayne, he's got to carry that heartbreak 
in a whole different way than Whitney, Whitney does. But I will say this. I'll end on this point. Fear and faith both require the same energy. Is that we believe in something that we can't see. And, and so whether you're fearful or faithful oftentimes depends on what's on the other side of, of that fear or that faith, depending on how things go, whether things go right or wrong. And, and I'll end there. We're here. We're here. Um, Where's Montoya? Okay, uh, go he ahead. Might have dropped. He's probably calling back in. Go ahead, sis. I'm mute. Um. Okay. I and I understand that, and I understand that. I do like the fact that you pointed out that he he did have the opportunity to discuss this with his friend. He he did have some type of support. I think y'all have to just learn how to do a better job in using the resources you have. Because I hear you say women just socially have more support. We we have our friends to fall back on when we're going through heartbreak. But he had support. Whether or not y'all are y'all are gonna put your ego aside and be able to go to your friend and say, Hey, I'm I'm going through this. This really hurt me and I need help that's that's something y'all are gonna have to learn how to do. But it, it shouldn't be to our detriment that y'all don't know how to do that. So now we, we get kind of we get the slack of it because we know how to go to our friends and say, hey, I need support through this, and y'all don't. It doesn't mean that y'all yeah. don't have the resources because y'all have it. And if y'all don't have it, then create it. I don't disagree. But, it shouldn't be. Yeah. But, um, we, yeah, you we know, can't continue to, to, to take the grunt of it because y'all, y'all haven't created those circles or, or y'all aren't even using those circles because it's not a manly man thing to do to go to your homeboy and say, hey, that girl really messed me up. Hey, that relationship really I did a toll on better. me. I think men are getting better. I think men have gotten better over the, especially in recent years, you have men out here now that are actually speaking openly about how they feel about things. Our grandfathers would never do such a thing. Can you imagine our grandfathers on social media talking about feelings? It, it wouldn't have happened, right? So men are, uh, and men have grown in that regard. It's just that, unfortunately, the louder voices tend to be the ones with the most negative energy. And so sometimes or oftentimes, as men discuss and share their feelings, it comes out in a battering way where as opposed to just dealing with and resolving our own feelings and insecurities, it tends to be a projection onto, and not all, of course, but a lot of men are projecting onto women our own insecurities and our own fears. And, and now it's, oh, these women ain't shit, or I can't trust them, these hoes, blah, 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 you know, that whole narrative, you know, the, the man, many of the manosphere talking points. So, again, there's this, unfortunately, we, we have this culture where we don't have a, an established, healthy way of dealing with things. And so everybody's trying to figure it out on for themselves. And again, unfortunately, sometimes the loudest and most prominent voices are oftentimes the most toxic ones. So when you have somebody dealing with, and I, I have plenty of brothers in my circle, and we have these conversations, and I facilitate some of these conversations with men where we deal with our feelings in a healthy way. Uh, but, again, unfortunately, you have so many out here who are popular, they're charismatic, they're good-looking, they're charming, they're rich, and uh, you know how it is to be rich in America. You're automatically, quote-unquote, more right than the next man if you're not rich, <laughs> or if you are rich, rather. So these people have a large audience that's gravitating toward them, even though they tend to be some of the most destructive voices available. But we're trying, and we are improving. 
I I will hope so. I will hope so. I just what I really don't like is that the onus is always being placed back on us as women because of what men are unable to do or refuse to do or won't learn how to do. And that's just we like we have enough. We have enough because I I almost feel like sometimes y'all forget that we also have to labor for ourselves. <laughs> We 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 have to emotionally labor for ourselves as well. It's very hard to do that work for two people. Yeah, it is, and and it's unreasonable to expect somebody to to do most of the heavy lifting. Um, right. Again, you know, you go back to before we were stripped of our cultural values. We had mechanisms in place, you know, checks and balances that that held each other accountable, that held each other. Um, there, there was a sense of integrity, and you couldn't just walk out on a relationship and break each other's hearts with no repercussion. But in that relationship, uh oh, I think somebody's coming in. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, I'm glad y'all been holding it down. Y'all probably didn't realize it, but I got knocked off the show, so y'all. Yeah, we we realized it. Okay, let, got, let me, it, got let me it. Thank you. I'm holding it down. Is it still what, doubled up? No, you. Can, no, you did. Sound doubled up. Can I finish this okay, point, or you up against you. a break? All right, cool. No problem. No problem. All right, thank y'all for holding me down. I'm having to actually call into the show. My mic is went out for some reason. Yeah, you doubled up. Right. Yeah, you can hear feedback. All right, let me get this fixed. Right, Give me a second, y'all. Sorry about the technical difficulties. All right, I should be straight now. Can y'all hear me now without feedback? Yep. yep, that's better. All right, perfect. So, all right, y'all, sorry about that. Definitely had some technical difficulties. Got, I don't know what's going on with my mic, but I'm actually calling on the phone like everyone else now. All right, let's make this work. Actually, we got some callers that want to get in, so I'm going to skip that. Well, actually, I need to play this cut to keep – well, you know what? Let me do this. Sorry, y'all. Sorry about the break. I got knocked off for a few minutes. Let me read this, and then I'm going to go to the callers. So this is something that I definitely wanted to share in reference now back to um, the Dwayne and Whitley love, the dialogue y'all just had, because I could hear everything y'all said. I just, y'all just couldn't hear me. All right, with that said, this is something that I uh, should have got the lady's young name, but she wrote this about Dwayne and Whitley, and it's really why we're doing this show. She goes, when I was a little girl, I thought Whitney, Whitley and Dwayne were the perfect couple. Yet when I rewatched the show, I saw she made a terrible mistake in not marrying Byron. Dwayne humiliated her. He told her he didn't want to marry her after they got engaged and told her after years of dating and sex, things were moving too fast. The truth, Dwayne was out of her league and wasn't ready to be a provider. They broke off and called off the engagement because Dwayne tells her things are moving too fast. Whitley deliberately did nothing. Then when Dwayne comes over to her place to get her stuff after a breakup, they have sex. Whitley tries to touch base after, and Dwayne was cold, telling her he knew, telling her he knew where things stand. He didn't want her. He made it clear. Dwayne even said, "We don't have problems in the bedroom. It was the other rooms. The relationship was toxic." Um, I'll get a quick response uh, from you, Ashley. Then we'll go to the caller. Um, you already know my response is going to be. <laughs> it, it it was toxic from the beginning, but um, so I, I'll let you go to the callers. All right, sounds good. All right, area code six one nine last three eight seven six. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. What up, good people? This is Mark. How y'all doing? 
Hey, what's going on? Hey, Chief? Mark. What you got for me, brother? Thanks for calling me. Hey, um, so this is regarding this, but also other things, even around that time. I think that, one, we don't give enough credit to our progress uh, in the way that, uh, like like the brother was saying, um, as as men, we were not in a position or our, our role, if you will, and we're still trying to move away from this, was solely or the primary role was to be the provider. And because so much effort was put into that, there was not this emo. There wasn't an emotional space laid out for men. So now it seems like we're behind the eight ball on that because women have gotten into the market and acclimated themselves towards the financial, financial portion of the household. And during that time, men have not, but have not embraced the uh, uh, moving away from the sole provider role. No matter if they do it or not, they still haven't embraced it the way that women have embraced moving into a, the, the the marketplace. So I think as men, there we are behind emotionally. And like the brother was saying, like we have this idea where men are supposed to pick themselves up by their bootstraps and just go find people that you can connect with and, and emotionally uh, find this healing space. And if the market just does not, it's not available in that capacity, it's not available. There is no uh, picking yourself up by your bootstraps because that's the idea that we've been carrying when it comes to the emotional aspect. And I think um, there's a lot of reverse engineering that we have to do because even over the last 20 years, we just, we're not even fully uh, ingratiated in the idea of men being emotional and you'll still hear those things when you're in certain spaces where a man is, is acting feminine if he expresses his emotion or, you know, these negative connotations with that come out with opening up. So that's one aspect. The other aspect of it is we got to stop idealizing like these, this, this guy and he was called a narcissist. This man wasn't a narcissist. He was in his early twenties. Like he was no, he was no more wrong than she may have been wrong if it didn't work out. And she ended up with him in her 30s and 40s, you know, like they, they are, there were the growing pains. Typically, if you was a black man in college, that's one aspect of it. But what type of family structure do, do people in those environments come from? What, what, what other things are we looking at? So even to throw a narcissistic title onto something like that, it's like, no, you're dealing with a kid who probably has his first sense of independence, very little guidance uh, in general, but also in the way of, like manhood and masculinity, he's trying to figure it out. And I'm not saying that he was right in that. Um, but I think that, like yeah. Ashley said, it's a very toxic relationship. And the way we look at it shouldn't be the, the onus shouldn't just be on one person because of how that, the final few episodes play out. We had a, enough time to look at the whole dynamic and say that whole dynamic wasn't shit. Now, I love the thoughts, man. Great three cents. And I'll add this to the last part that you just talked about. And I think Vaughn was kind of making this point. Um, like when we think about that run and Dwayne dynamic, highlighting that, you know, um, Ron says, oh, you'll be fine. Y'all have something special. And Dwayne goes, reality. What about reality? And all I'm all I'm." And, and, and I, I love what you're saying to us, Ashley, right? Like saying, hey, we've done the work or this is what we do. And and, and, I, and, and I, I hope you can hear the nuance of my pushback. My pushback is not necessarily disagreeing with you. And I think you would even agree with what I'm about to say. 
we're not surprised that in his fear, and to Vaughn's point, they both have the same fears, we're just not surprised at how he processed it differently, not letting him off the hook. We are, I think we all call BS on the last ditch. I call BS right after the play in the cut on, you know, last ditch, will you marry me because he's scared the loser. Like, we're calling all of that out. But I, we also say that we're not surprised that when he processes his reality and his fears, not we're, we just we're not surprised at how he processed it as, quote, unquote, a man. He's like, oh, that reality, this thing just might not work out. And then that dynamic of her flipping it on him put him in desperation mode. We're not letting him off the hook. We're just exactly. not surprised at how he processed it. Go ahead, Vaughn. No, I was agreeing with Yeah, no, I was agreeing with you. Yeah. Yeah, so do you hear what I'm saying, Ashley? Again, we're not even trying to make it right or wrong. We just get it. And not saying get it makes it okay. It's just... No, no, no. And, and I get it, too. But the point I'm trying to make, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. But I just don't agree with it. I don't agree that it's and I'm not And I said, talk about what you're right. saying. This is the yeah. dynamic where I would highlight that there are differences that we don't like to recognize. And what I mean, like, like well, when I say don't want to recognize, it's not like we're to, I think, Mark saying it, Vaughn saying it. Like, we, we do have to learn more in this area. And I don't know if we're learning it fast enough. I think it's harder to learn when you don't see examples. I mean, I, I don't want to go too deep with that. But I am highlighting that sometimes we get perplexed over what should be versus how do we get through this with how things are. Because I agree with Mark. That's not a narcissistic okay, situation. I, I that. Go ahead, I go ahead. Jump, in, jump in, Queen. No, I want to highlight oh, the fact that, yeah, we, we get that it's differences, but y'all have to at some point understand that it's not just a difference between a man and a woman. At this point, it's a deficiency. And y'all have to somehow figure out how to fix that, how to rectify that deficiency. But listen to, because that, listen to what you're saying, saying the somehow. Like, listen to the somehow. What is okay, the but, somehow? But the somehow no, 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 let, me, let me throw out. Let me throw out. I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. I'm, I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. I'm just asking you about the somehow. I want you, like, when you say somehow, I'm just kind of highlighting how fleeting. And I would offer the reason you're having to call it somehow, there is – I don't know if there's a dynamic in human involvement in how we grow up in families that would ever deal with that somehow. And I'm not trying to be right, but the reason you, we're call, you're calling it somehow is because we don't have an answer to that. I don't think. Exactly. And I'll be glad to explore it. With, I'll leave Mark on the phone. We'll get Marilyn back on here. I'm willing to explore what that looks like. But when we say somehow, we might not be being realistic on what somehow is. It means so how is it that women are tasked with figuring out the somehow, but we have to also figure out the somehow for y'all too? Okay, no, good question. Good question. Go ahead, Vaughn. Go ahead, Vaughn. It's not that you have to figure out the somehow for us. You got to keep in mind that this beef that exists between particularly black men and black women is not organic. This is GMO, right? This is man-made beef. And so much of what we're dealing with, like right now, no other – uh, demographic has their men and their we- women so competitively close in salary, right? So every other demographic has a a, a wider disparity in, in what the men earn versus what the women earn. That makes black women more, quote-unquote, self-sufficient, 
And I, I put that in quotes on purposely, more self-sufficient and therefore more independent than other women. Now, again, that's not necessarily a healthy thing, um, but, but that's also part of what the American social order has done to the black family. So now even this dynamic where you guys, where women are more self-sufficient, you guys are also having to unlearn some things as we have to learn some things. So it's not just that all of this emotional learning has to take place with black men. Also, there has to be some emotional unlearning from black women. So finding that common ground and learning how to meet in the middle, that's really the task of the day. It's not just on black men, and it's not just on black women. This, this is some heavy lifting. I and absolutely less we agree. Together. I yeah, absolutely agree. The one thing I will push back on is the fact that we are not asking y'all to figure out for us how we do that unlearning. We're not tasking y'all with telling us the steps to unlearn. We're not, we're not putting that on you. We've taken that on for ourselves to unlearn for ourselves. And I, just, I would just ask that that same that same initiative be taken on y'all's end too. Like meet us halfway. Let me ask this. Ask, let me ask this for clarity. Let me ask this for clarity. I'm actually blowing through the breaks and everything because this is too good to even have a break, right? Uh, my sponsors, I'll make it up and give y'all an extra week if y'all out there listening. Um, so when you, what, so for me, what Vaughn just said when he says y'all are, will be ta- or y'all are tasked to unlearn some things, I. I'm not aware of that dynamic in the sense that um, I think Vaughn's right in what he said, but I don't know that there's a dynamic of men pushing for you to do that, unlearning the aspect that he's talking about. And I mean, and, and, and if it's there, please tell me if I'm wrong. Um, but if it is there, when I hear Vaughn say there's some things men need to pick up and there's some things that women need to unlearn. I'm actually hearing him saying it as if as a culture we're un, that we're both sides are unaware of that meeting in the middle. Like, so I don't know that both sides are doing it, but I hear you saying we are doing it. I, I, I think the emotional part that you're asking us for, I think to Vaughn's point is part of that nurturing setup environment that allows for y'all to do that part. Right. I think what he's saying, I guess I would hear, I hear him saying what you would have to unlearn, kind of to Mark's point, now that you're in the marketplace, there are some aspects of what you would have to learn, and it wouldn't be the emotional thing that we kind of say, all right, you're, for women, there's a place for that. And so for men, where there is no place, that's the, that's the area we would need to gain. So I, I think I'm, I hope I'm kind of walking through the distinction is not just the emotional part. Your unlearning is something else that I don't know that we have smartly discussed inside of the culture, if that makes sense. Ashley, no, I'm does. not saying I have it exactly right. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get to the nuance so that we're clear with each other. Your, your thoughts? And, and it's not just emotional, and I absolutely agree. But Vaughn also just told you that black women are now becoming just statistically more independent. That has to be a red flag for y'all because if we're now saying black women are more independent, we don't have to have a man in the household to sustain ourselves, and y'all are not as emotionally aware as we are, like, y'all going to get left behind because at no, this no, point no, no, we no. don't have to have – what? That, that, there are dangers associated with that independence. There are a lot of dangers associated with that. 
Yeah, it's, so I it's agree. not just no longer you no longer need a man. You just don't need a man in the same capacity. So, for instance, Correct. there was a time needed, you needed men to bring home the bacon. Well, now you can bring your own bacon home, but there are other social dynamics that we need to, that we absolutely need each other for. Right. That, that, so, so, so let, me tell, let me throw this out, Bunny. I'm gonna let, I want her, I want her to finish on this point. So yeah, I, I love I'm what you're saying right yeah. now. Let me, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping in real quick. Just work with me. I know I'm cutting you off. Just work with me here. I love what you're saying right now. What, what I hear Ashley saying when she says, you know, just her personally using the words, "You're gonna get left behind." Let me throw out this dynamic and just and, and, and what I'm what I'm hearing her say is, with everything that you're factoring in, if we don't figure that out. It will it will be an aspect of being left behind. Uh, I I don't hear her saying she doesn't need us. She's saying if we don't figure out this dynamic, that this is how it will play out. Is what I hear her saying. Do I, am I hearing you right, right. Ashley? Yeah. And, and, and it may yes. not change what your response, but I just want to make sure that clarity is there as you respond, Vaughn. But let me see, make sure I got her right, and then you go ahead and jump back in, Kim. Yes. Go ahead, Ashley. Okay. No, that, yeah, that's... no, I go ahead. Sister. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was saying that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I hear that one hundred percent. And and I and I heard what she was saying as she was saying it. Uh, my point okay. was that in the leaving, uh, if there is a quote unquote leaving of black men behind, it will be to the detriment ultimately of black women and men ultimately of the black family. So this, so so Goldman Sachs, you know. Uh, dumped 500 billion or uh, however much it was into the uh, quote unquote advancement of black women, not for the progress of black women. I think ultimately it's toward the detriment of the black family is what I'm saying. So you can leave, and I know not you specifically, but if there is a leaving of the black man, then ultimately it's to the demise of the black family. No, and we understand um, that. And I want to make it absolutely clear. We, that's not what we desire. We absolutely don't want to be alone. We don't want to surpass y'all, but we want y'all to be in the same place as us. We want y'all to want to progress the same way we want to progress, so we're now growing together. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. War is hell. Mark, so even at this point. With this. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Queen. I, mean, I, didn't know I was interrupting. Keep going. No, Bye. you're good. Even if we're not now leaning on y'all financially, like, I think we said earlier that uh, one thing about Dwayne and Whitley was Whitley said Dwayne was always there emotionally. At this point, we can we even count on y'all to do that? That's the work, is right? It, that is work. That is work. Like, it, it's almost like what, what are we both bringing to the table at this point? Because if you're not doing Mark, one still, thing, you've got to be doing something. And that's all I'm saying. Mark, are you still, Mark, are you still on the line? Because if you are, I would love to hear your oh. thoughts. Oh, I'm still here. I think that um, there's a lot of aspects that we, uh, even if we broke the relationship dynamics down into two positions, we would still be wrong, right? Um, I think that, let me see, how do, I'm trying to see if I can frame this the right way without placing blame. I think that, one, any time incident happens, there has to be the bearing of culpability on the on self first. So when I have conversations with my – there's two different conversations going on. Shout out to Montoya for always telling me this, that the way I talk to my homies is different than the way I have to talk to my homegirls, even if we're talking about the same subject. 
in these situations, they kind of get convoluted because it seems like there's a placing of blame when I'm not trying – That that's not going to be the mm-hmm. intention. But right. so you have guys like – we were. I was reading something, and it was saying um, when we start talking about people being left behind, we do not understand the effect, long-term effects of even our own immaturity. And so I think back to when I was in college and – cool wasn't good. Like, I mean, you had to be cool to get the girls, and then certain people were left behind. Right now we're in this place where black men and black women, and I actually want to zoom out and say men and women, because if you look statistically, white men are feeling left behind. White men are uh, being placed out of the marketplace at high rates. There's just so many more of them. We don't identify it as such. But this is a more global thing. As women start gaining power and, and independence, because the trident, when when women start measuring themselves as a, as a man, it it still isn't quantifiable, right? We still we still don't do that equally. So one of the the issues that I have with even a, a conversation like this is, oh, if we're leading financially, which we're not, like I mean, which women are not at this point. Women are not, even black women are have not surpassed black men in terms of annual income. Uh, or at least the ones that's legally on the book, there is still the idea that that is such, and we haven't gotten away from that. But the what's more pervasive than the actual numbers is the idea that I'm doing better than you, which when the roles in, in our community, like we have this idea that the money is the power, power play. But mm-hmm. we, we still... I feel like I'm all over the place, and I apologize. We no, you're not. Let me jump in real quick. Let me jump in real quick. And I'll let you, might, you might, Hold let on. Let me jump in real quick. Let me jump in real quick. Okay. Right, right before. Okay, go ahead. So we still have to understand that there are so many more things that can quantify the healthiness of our relationship and our dynamics when we start talking about black men still have the high – we're still the more active people out of all of the races in terms of parenting and our children – like the uh, – parenting and, and even our willingness to do things in a collaborative effort. Um, I think that we have a zoomed out idea about what the rest of the world is and how much better it is. And that's just not true either. So I don't know. I feel like we bear a lot of culpability and there's, there's a, a, a lot of area for opportunity. I also think that we have this grass greener on the other side. When, if you actually go talk to other people in other races, black men are, very much advocates of of our women uh, having the things that are associated with uh, independence in terms of work and, and uh, their careers and aspirations were much more encouraging than any other group who seem to be much yep. more suppressive in that regard. And that's just one, one, one idea about it. Sorry to be long winded. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Well, the part I wanted to jump on and jump on in because I think the speak and you kind of end up kind of wrapping it up as well. And I'll let I won't ask you to jump in next. Uh, again, I'm just blowing through the breaks today. It is what it is. It's just I think a dynamic conversation. And so, um, we, what this is I think this is what you were kind of attempting to say with this part when you were talking about the money dynamic. The, the reality is, marriages and relationships have existed well before the currency is what we see it as today. And so the I jumped to that history just to highlight all the dynamics that you're speaking to, Mark. They still exist today. We 
allow the currency and the money part to distort those dynamics that still, if we under, I think, in my opinion, if we understand them better, the actual dynamics of what it takes through a relationship and not make money the power play, as you just said, then then we would have a better understanding of what it would take to come together. I think the dynamic of how we see it makes us even have the dialogue we have now. When, you know, actually when you say, hey, you're going to get, you know, in a sense, left behind. And, and and so I think that comes in terms of where we, one, partly where we place money to a degree, and then the other aspect to Bond's point is if there are marketplace dynamics that are trying to highlight that your 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 man is less than and and and, and as Vaughn said to play the pay difference is literally it's three it's three cent an hour currently right now on the hourly wage if we then make three cent an hour more I mean I'm sorry um, I'm sorry three dollars per one hundred more it's like it's literally Vaughn's right it's, it's closer for us than any other group or whatever and so all those dynamics factored in and were focused on that part. The relationship dynamics didn't require a lot of that in the past. And it's like, can we learn what matters in a relationship and not overplay the currency portion is a thought. Go ahead, Ashley. Um, I appreciate the dialogue, and I think it's, it's really eye-opening. I definitely agree that it's not just about the financials. It's not, because I don't, I don't know any woman who's now saying, oh, I make enough money to where now I don't need a man. What we're actually talking about is the fact that we we don't have to settle because we can sustain ourselves independently independent of a man whereas like you were saying Montoya marriages in the past women didn't have as many options because they can't leave their husband they can't afford rent by themselves they can't buy a house by themselves like they can't have their own bank account it's different now so we're now asking for y'all to contribute something else because it's, And it's not saying, you know, we got this, y'all ain't got to worry about it. It's saying this is one less thing that y'all have to do. Can you bring something else to the table? And prior to the currency, there wouldn't have been an idea of that part being settling. Right. Term. Go ahead, Vaughn. Go ahead, go ahead, Vaughn. I'll just add this one point, and it's to the point that you made earlier, Montoya, or maybe it was it was the brother, that the, uh, the caller that made it. Uh, but – in terms of what you're asking for, Ashley, and I say you as women in general, for men to bring more than just that financial aspect, I think in the development of our emotional selves, men in general, in the American society, I think black men are further ahead in, in offering that other stuff, emotional support and all of these other things, than other men are collectively. Uh, and so – uh, as a as a unit, as an American culture, men, American men, generally don't offer those things. But we're all learning. But I say that black men are further ahead on that learning curve than all of the other demographics of men. So, not that you shouldn't still want those things, not that you don't deserve those things. But I'm, I'm what I'm what I'm also trying to contextualize is that what you're asking for is something that's very new to American men in general, and black men are further along than other men. And I would highlight, Vaughn, saying that is some of it is the awareness of knowing things. Like here's 
here, here's something that I think goes amiss on awareness. Like, you can't act until you are aware of something. That what I'm saying is kind of the obvious right now. That's obvious. You can't if you're not aware of something, then you can't act on it. Here's the other part that I think really goes amiss, particularly for the African American culture, is also continuing to accept narratives that are not speaking to the that are not the truth, and those narratives can stunt the awareness. So if you're not aware of this dynamic and the narrative rules, your actions will continue to be those or you will grow more of the actions you don't want without realizing some of what Vaughn and Mark are bringing to the table. It's, it, and so if we continue to, to speak a narrative because that narrative has been handed to us, then it makes it harder to grow in that way. I don't know if I'm making sense with that. Um, anybody can kind of jump on in, on response to that. But, but you know, just like like I remember some months ago I did a video show where I was just highlighting that the majority of black fathers, are, you know, are involved. However, we have way too many fathers who are not. Like those two things can be true and the numbers support that the majority are. But the narrative is that, that most black black fathers are not. So when I when I show the numbers, and I'm not saying they're great for us because they're bad, I, that, that number is bad in comparison to other quote-unquote races and cultures. So the number is bad, but the reality is it's still the majority of fathers. The majority is not saying most. It's just pointing out the actual numbers. And even bringing that to the table, I got all kind of ridicule, even though I could back it up with the numbers. I wasn't saying most because what I was also pointing out is men like Avon, men like Mark, who I know personally and the responsibility he takes with his own family, the men that are all responsible, we hate that still way too many segment of men who are not stepping up in that dynamic of being there for their family. Like we hate those men. We we hate them because we know how much damage they're causing to our community and our culture. But me pointing to those real numbers wasn't minimizing that problem, but I couldn't even say the truth because the narrative was considered Stronger than than the numbers that I could bring to the table. Does any of that make sense? Because I'm just pointing out that becoming aware that men and women both are trying to move in the right direction, and I think what we're saying today is part of the dialogue that needs to be heard. Here's the areas we can move as men, and here's the women, the areas that women can move. And I don't know that we're saying that enough to one another. I hope I'm making sense with that. Any thoughts on that, Ashley? Yeah, you're making sense. And, I mean, I, I think that's the only way we're going to come to a solution. Um, we all need to move together. It, it can't be, I think the caller, I think Mark said, um, we can't just place the blame on one person. Everybody has to be personally accountable. And I think that's the only way we're going to find a solution. If I am personally accountable as a woman to what I need to learn and unlearn, and you as a man opposite me doing the same. 
Yeah. But and can you understand that the dynamic of speaking to the narratives makes it harder for us all individually to even understand what we just said? Because quite often the back and forth is narratives. Some of it's narratives, but some of it's reality. Like you can't really challenge somebody's reality just because it matches the narrative. Somebody's reality is that their child's father doesn't take care of their kids. Somebody's reality is that they're in a relationship where a black man is not being emotionally supportive. That's somebody's reality, whether it's the narrative or not. So fair enough. I, I here's the, here's the deeper thought. Yeah, here's the deeper thought. You're absolutely right, and never and never do I want to take that reality from the individual who's on that end of it, right? I'm, I'm absolutely 100% in agreement with you, but it doesn't help that culturally we say something that our children hear as a narrative that may not be true. So it's not okay to speak to something generally that's not true, to speak to it as a culture and accept the narrative. So I'm distinguishing, and you're absolutely right. I'm not taking away that real narrative for the person. I'm not saying, oh, that's not true for you. I'm not saying that at all. But it, it's not smart as a culture to speak something that's not true over our culture. That is a narrative that will get more of what we don't want is the thought that I'm that I'm trying to offer here. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. I'm, I'm all about people speaking their truth. I, I get the narratives and how damaging that is to us as a culture. I also get the reality and how damaging that is to us as a culture as well. But the, the, the distinction is if you speak to the narrative, to the, the culture, you get more of what you don't want. Like the individual, like, yeah, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, in, if I'm on the bad end of that, yeah, I'm stuck figuring it out for myself. I'm not. I'm not minimizing that at all. You, you know, you're stuck figuring it out for yourself. But if we're saying something untrue and the babies are hearing it, they will grow up with that expectation. And if anything that you teach or program and narrative that you speak to, you will get more of it. So we actually hurt ourselves to speak and generalize narratives that are not true. We hurt the the upcoming generation. That's a, I'm not minimizing the individual truth. I'm not, I'm not, you let speaking your truth, but we're saying it's true for the culture. That's more damaging in my opinion. I may be wrong about that, but any thoughts on speaking to untrue narratives about our culture? Quite often there's some of those narratives are handed to us. They're not even coming from our own reality in some cases, but to Ashley's point, I'm not minimizing when it is someone's reality. At least I'm attempting not, I'm attempting not to. No, I think you articulated that very well. I think you're right and exact. Uh, we do have to be mindful of the, the stereotypes and narratives that we help the enemies of our progress to push. Um, and, and to Ashley's point, I, I definitely understand. And it's really hard when you're emotionally rooted in a problem currently. And I'm not saying that you are, Ashley. I, I don't know you, so I'm not trying to put that on you. But I'm saying it, it becomes more difficult for people to see that bigger picture when they're currently rooted in that smaller picture, if that makes sense. So it's really challenging to navigate that in a healthy way, the broader understanding when my current reality conflicts the, the broader understanding. So uh, emotions are much more powerful than logic, and that's going to win, you know, 99 times out of 100. But but you are correct. I agree with you. 
All right, I'm going to share this rest of this piece that was written about them, bringing it back, I guess, circled, circling back to what the topic was about. I'm going to share this piece, and Ashley, I'll get your thoughts. Again, I just – it was an open dialogue. I thought it was worth having. I still got Mark on the line. I don't know if I'm going to let you get, sneak anything back in, but just in case, I still got you on the line. Um, so the piece that I was reading about the Dwayne and Whitley, I'm going to finish that piece. It says, Dwayne was fine staying with her and cop-blocking her, but when she pushed for marriage and a future, he found flaws. It says, disclaimer, even though this is a show based on fictional characters, um, she said that what Dwayne did was very typical, very. So it's coming for men when they're not ready for marriage, and when they think they are the prize, they act this way. Big mistake. Then Whitley goes to work on a campaign for a future senator, Byron. Byron sees her hardworking, sees her intellect, her um, sees her ability to talk to the press, and he's wild by the woman she is. This is um, Dwayne, knowing he wants nothing to do with Whitley, tells Byron, the senator, that they slept together, acting like he thought he knew, hoping to cop flock with Whitley. Byron is so in love he doesn't care and manages to, move, manages to move past it. After he wins and becomes a senator, Byron, who never is shown sleeping with Whitley, asks to marry her. He sees the value in Whitney and realizes she catches um, that she's a catch right away. He courted her in a very short time frame and wants to take her off the market. If it wasn't just for her beauty and physical attraction, it wasn't just for her beauty and physical attraction like Dwayne. He appreciated her for her ability to be social and saw her as a perfect wife, something Dwayne didn't. Dwayne had plenty of time to reconsider, plenty, but he doesn't. He waits until the wedding day, then he literally, when he's literally standing at the altar in a beauty, when she's literally standing at the altar in a big and beautiful wedding he, to tell her this, toxic, very toxic. Of course, Whitney leaves Byron at the altar and goes off with the, um, with Dwayne. I used to love this. I thought it was so romantic and passionate. I now see there was a lot wrong, and he only wanted her back when he knew someone better, more serious, and more stable came along. Dwayne even told Byron to go and be with her, and that Whitley is a better person when she's with him. Dwayne knew he would never do better than Whitley and didn't want to lose her to the better man. Byron was the better man. It took me decades to see she, she should have never married Dwayne Dwayne. Even when they got married, he struggled to support her and had no real steady job. Eventually, he found a job in Japan and moved her away from all of her friends and family to the other side of the world when she was pregnant. Imagine being in a foreign country that far away from your family as a new expected mom, we as black women have been groomed to want less and expect less. It was very clear that her character was way into him more than he was to her. So we have got that out. Got one minute. I'll give you a thought, but I think it does capture the current relationship dynamic. There's realities that I, in doing this discussion today that I think we can learn and own that a lot of us as men have moved like a Dwayne and that we can become smarter men and women and making sure, you know, that we are finding someone quote unquote on our level, not somebody above our level because we see, we, we, we bloat ourselves up or see ourselves as we shouldn't, but just matching makes sense. Working hard to, to, to push past somebody else's expectations can be a disaster. Your thoughts, Queen. 30 seconds. Get it out. Thank you so much for coming on. I love seconds. the dynamic today. 
Thank you so much for having me. Um, I, I love that. That's great. That's romantic. I also just want to stop <laughs> um, romanticizing struggle love. Like, we do not have to struggle to be in love. It should not be a struggle anymore. We're not struggling. So while this is cute, no. you know, it was nice when we saw it, we, we're not doing that anymore. We're not. I love it. I love it. Wish we could continue this. This is a good dialogue today. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. <laughs>